0: Hello ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're all well. Thank you for tuning into this webinar on the topic of prioritising on-road public transport. So let's get started. My name is Elise Esteban and I'm the moderator today, here to provide any technical support if you need. You can contact me by using the chat box in your sidebar if you are experiencing any issues. This webinar is proudly brought to you by Osroads. Osroads supports its member organisations, those listed on this slide, to deliver an improved road transport network. Osroads members are collectively responsible for managing 900,000 kilometres of roads valued at more than $200 billion. Our collective approach delivers value for money, encourages shared knowledge, and drives consistency for road users. So just some housekeeping items, the presentation will run for approximately 35 minutes altogether. We then have a live Q&A component at the end for 15 minutes where you can ask our presenters any questions. We are also recording today's session and we'll email you once the recording is available to view. The presentation slides can also be downloaded in the handout section in your sidebar. So as per usual, we'd like you to participate in the webinar, so please don't be afraid to ask any questions. Simply type your questions into the questions box at any stage of the webinar and we'll answer them at the end during the Q&A. If your question relates to a particular slide, please, please let us know the slide number it relates to So the objective of this webinar is to give you guidance to improve on-road public transport drawn from the experience of jurisdictions in Australia, New Zealand and overseas. You can download the related Austroids report from the handout section in your sidebar or on the Austroids website. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our presenters, both joining us from GHD in Sydney. Firstly, we have Alison Lee, who is a Principal Transport Planner. She has over 13 years experience spanning across areas of the development of transport strategy, planning for active transport road and public transport infrastructure and transport research we also have Graham McCabe who is a principal transport planner and traffic engineer and has more than 20 years experience in the field he has developed innovative solutions to improve transport systems and is currently designing a new bus system for the Philippines third largest city Alison will be delivering the presentation component and then Graham will be joining her in the Q&A section so welcome both to Alison and Graham how are you both today
1: Ah, very well. Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Alison. Uh, Very
2: well. Thank you, Liz. No, no problem. Ah, uh, very well. Thank you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I'll now pass it on to Alison, who will talk you through about what we'll be covering today.
1: I'm just getting my screen up. <laughs> so can you all see Excellent. that there? Yes. Very good. Uh, so, welcome everybody. My name's Alison Lee, and as uh, mentioned, you'll be hearing from me for the presentation about thirty minutes, and then Graham and I will also be. Graham will come in, and we'll both answer questions at the end. Sorry, I'm just getting my computer working. Okay, so to begin, I'd just like to talk a little bit about uh, the project team. Uh, we have had Jeremy Burden, who has been the Ostrodes project manager, whose home organisation is VicRoads, uh, and myself and Graham McCabe working on this. We've also been through all the re- reviews and advice and processes offered by the Ostroads pro- uh, process. We've had an extremely active working group for this project and I'd like to extend my thanks to all of them. Uh, Many of them will probably be sitting on the webinar today, so thank you to all of you guys. Uh, The project has also relied on the local knowledge and advice from many Austroads members across Australia and New Zealand who contributed to this project via interviews, so my thanks also goes out to those people. Um, so in the next few slides, I'll just be talking about project purpose and outcomes. Um, so this project is has been really about identifying the techniques to improve the travel time and travel time reliability of on-road public transport, summarising the impacts of these techniques and technologies. And also, finally, making recommendations for how these techniques can be disseminated more uniformly and more broadly through the, their inclusion in the Austroads Guide to Public Trans to tra- um, Austroads Guides to Traffic Management. So we'll just refer to that as the guide, maybe here on in. Um, so the underlying premise to the project has been that. When we collaborate, we're better than the sum of our parts, Um, so already we see a lot of collaboration going on between agencies, but this project is really seeking to um, formalise that so it's not so relationship-based and uh, not so dependent on knowing the right person to call in the right department of the right organisation and so forth. Uh, um, We are providing information, ultimately, which can be used to update um, the guide. So um, this project's particularly interested in the impact on transport networks, um, travel time improvements and travel time reliability improvements Um, and we also want to provide advice specifically on techniques and technologies which provide what we're calling advanced levels of priority for buses and light rail slash trams through road space allocation, signalling and stop priority. This project has been undertaken over three stages which I'll be presenting today and the first has been a literature review. We were interested in knowing what practitioners are currently using as guidelines to develop priority on-road public transport schemes. And The second stage has been undertaken um, with many, many jurisdictional interviews. And in this case, the, the point was to determine what practitioners A C is what is best practice treatments and B what is best practice examples currently out there. So ultimately, and um, the stage the third and final stage was about reporting back to Ostrodes on our research findings um, and also provide recommendations regarding the inclusion of on road public transport in the guide. So In the next few slides, I'm just going to go through the background to this study and to just explain why this project has been seen as so important um, for Austrode and many of its members um, because there's obviously many, many topics vying for attention and funding and Austrode's funding. So, The data analysis I'll be presenting may be new to you but the tone of the analysis is um, almost definitely not, <laughs> because I'm sure you've all heard predictions of impeding urban doom brought about by growth and urbanisation and congestion before. Uh, but our cities are adaptable things, and you'll see that some of the data I'll be presenting does show that um, there are sort of winds of change happening, and um, it's not all all doom and gloom. So, without further ado, uh, so what? What our analysis showed um, was that in Australia and New Zealand, both of these countries are experiencing both massive population growth and also never before seen levels of urbanisation. So By 2050, there will be population growths of 36 per cent in Australia and 23 per cent in New Zealand Um, and it's the cities that are going to be growing and changing the most as most of the population will be in cities, as this shows. So The graph here shows that capital cities of Australia and the largest three cities in New Zealand um, will all experience growth. Um, Sydney and Melbourne will both become cities of around six million people by 2031, which is not that far away, and Perth is anticipated to have the largest percentage increase of all, with 71 per cent of growth in that period. Uh, The the concept of avoidable congestion refers to the benefit of travel for all road users in a congested urban environment compared to the cost imposed on the rest of society by congestion. Uh, What this shows is that by 2026 the rate of population growth will be outstripped by the cost of avoidable congestion and this will undermine both livability and the cost competitiveness of our cities. even if, as city dwellers, as many of you may be, um, that we think we're avoiding the cost of congestion by walking or riding or getting public transport, um, we will still be paying the cost of congestion through the cost of the increased cost of doing business being passed on to us. So What we've seen over recent years, particularly since the mid-2000s, is that government is responding with increased investment in transport Um, and we've seen that both in road investment and public transport investment. Uh, In in terms of investment in public transport specifically in dollar terms and as a percentage of overall expenditure, um, we've seen that increase. In Australian capital cities uh, between 2004 and 2016, so the very recent history, passenger trips by road have grown by 12% in Australian capital cities. Um, so, to respond to this challenge, Australian and New Zealand road and transport authorities have developed a range of measures to achieve improved performance of on road public transport, um, including um, light rail transport and bus transport. To to sum up this section, as one transport practitioner articulated in an interview for this project, he said, we're moving away from building and widening roads and moving towards sweating our roads more. We're not just about trying to move more vehicles through our network, the approach needs to be deeper than that and look at what types of vehicles we want to be moving. Um, just to touch on some definitions for this project, because um, one of the first questions I had when GHD started this project was around how on road public transport is defined, um, as we're seeing it just increased variation and blending of transport modes at the moment. So, just to clarify, what we mean by on road public transport is that this project's concerned with light rail transport or LRT as we'll call it Uh, and this includes uh, the American term of streetcars, trams and light rail. Um, The main difference between trams and light rail being the amount of road space they have for their own use. So um, lots of you will know of course that in Melbourne it's a tram system because about 70 per cent of the network is shared with mixed traffic whereas a lot of the light rail or LRT um, infrastructure projects that are being built now are operating in their own road space so they are pure LRT light rail projects. We're also concerned um, in this project with regular bus services, so those bus services that have a route and have a schedule. um, We're not looking at taxis, multiple point to point hire, transport coaches or low capacity vehicles in this study. So the um, findings of the literature review. Um, The literature review was concerned with collecting advice and guidance which has already been published by road and transport authorities on the prioritisation of on-road public transport through changes to road space, uh, signals and stops and we've scanned both authorities which come under the AustRoads banner in Australia and New Zealand as well as international sources. Uh, This table shows a list of authorities where we've found documents and um, what it shows is that a a lot of jurisdictions do not have specific uh, bespoke guidance for the jurisdictions on on road public transport, Um, so it suggests to us that there's probably a significant amount of sharing that goes on amongst jurisdictions and that was certainly what what bore out in interviews as well. When we were looking internationally, we looked at, uh, we looked to countries which had a similar transport context to that which can be found here in Australia and in New Zealand. So we looked to the US, Canada and the UK. Uh, once again we were looking for treatment types which achieved advanced levels of uh, priority for on-road public transport um, and with regard to buses we found that there were six common treatments that were used and reflected in guidelines for bus space priority treatments and they're shown here on the screen. Now one of the challenges with this is that um, terminology across jurisdiction changes. So for example uh, what is a dedicated busway uh, is also known as a transit way in NACTO guidelines from the US and even in Australia sometimes um, they have been known as T-ways or transit ways. and similarly bus only streets um, which is a term which is used in Australia and most recently in the Western Australian guidelines. That, that, that type of infrastructure is also known as transit malls in NACTO guidelines and sometimes in Australia in Queensland they're also known as greenways or green links. So you can see the the challenge that we're up against. Um, Another note, um, bus only lanes is uh, a a New South Wales type of infrastructure um, because in New South Wales and also in Auckland, bus lanes um, can have other road users including taxis and things like that. So there's this whole other category (laughs) in New South Wales. Uh, now, similarly, there were six common treatment types which achieved advanced levels of priority, um, road space priority for LRT. Um, in all of these cases, uh, the treatments aim to make it impossible, um, or make it either impossible for general traffic to impinge upon the space of the public transport vehicle, or at least strongly signal to drivers that the space is not for them. So these trail. Tra- Um, 12 treatment types are what is generally in practice and in guidelines in the jurisdictions for which we reviewed literature. Uh, As you can see, particularly with regard to LRT, when looking internationally there's significant variation in treatments that we don't usually see in Australia or in Australian guidelines um, simply because this is an emerging mode in Australia and New Zealand um, with the obvious exception being Melbourne um, which is as I mentioned earlier, um, largely TRAM rather than LRT. Uh, The the literature review also revealed guidance on stop priority uh, which generally aimed to limit dwell time at stops. So the pink here shows LRT um, treatments and it won't surprise you that Vic Rhodes is the author of all of these treatment types. And the green box shows um, treatments that can be used either for bus or LRT. Uh, and they're all stop placement techniques, um, which look at um, either stop consolidation or relocating stops to the departure side of intersections, that type of thing. Uh, and the apricot uh, box relates just to bus only infrastructure. And we've just got in there um, curb bulbs. And there's some examples of where they're applied. So, um, as an aside, you may have noticed that all the local guidelines for LRT are Melbourne based, um, although it's understood that Auckland Transport's currently um, in the early stages of developing their own guidelines. Um, and so, this is quite problematic um, as whilst Melbourne has the most extensive tram network, all the projects coming online in Australia are LRT projects and so they're physically separated from traffic and there's a a lot of them coming on. Um, and so back to the literature review. review um, it did also reveal three general categories of signal priority. So starting from loop detection, which is a conditional signal priority technique, um, and it's used, um, for example, in the Gold Coast Light Rail or G Link, where G Link vehicles can trigger an in-ground loop, so that they're always in, always achieving uh, signal priority over general traffic at intersections. Um loop detection and SCATS is commonly used for most of the major cities in the region, and this is an adaptive signal technique which looks at what is good for the network as a whole but still doesn't provide conditional signal priority for late-running transport vehicles. And then the third category um, is uh, the combination of those things with um, AVL or automatic vehicle location technology, where the the bus or the light rail vehicle can actually talk to the traffic signals and signal um, uh, trigger the signal to change for them if they're late running or so forth, and this is used in discrete locations across Australia as well, but not hugely widespread. Um, so moving on to the the case studies. So um, part of the reason for undertaking interviews across Australia and New Zealand was to glean case studies, and from these interviews. Uh, there resulted uh, seven case studies from across Australia and and New Zealand. These seven case studies reflected different differing levels of um, priority. So from on the left, our, our first group being uh, the Auckland Manukau Road tra- um, T3 lane where buses are still required to share road space to a degree with other road users who, are, who can use the T3 lane, right through to our third category on the right being um, a Sydney example, the Liverpool to Parramatta Transitway or T-way, which is a dedicated busway and the Gold Coast Light Rail which sees public transport vehicles operating in their own road space with um, their own signals, priority signals, and stop priority as well. And then the broadest category in the middle um, being um, examples where the public transport vehicle has its own um, priority road space but doesn't necessarily have stop and signal priority. Okay, so. Um, For each of the case studies we we did try and seek information which was consistent across all the case studies and we were interested in the measurables of um, journey time, the impact of the project on journey time, journey time reliability, mode shift um, and impact on general traffic whether there was a positive or negative on any of those things. In this example for the Manacoo Road, uh, the addition of the T3 lane had significant benefits on bus passengers and the corresponding upswing as well which they had been able to measure um, in patronage so there was mode shift, um, albeit there, there was some fairly minor but um, still measured PM peak delays. And you can compare that to in Adelaide. This East Terrace Grenfell Street project um, brought benefits to bus passengers, particularly with regard to reliability, but there were some delays to traffic also. Uh, Similar results in Perth, in Beaufort Street, uh, the peak hour bus lanes which were installed there had. very positive impacts for bus passengers across all measurables, but some traffic was diverted onto other streets. The the Liverpool to Parramatta Transitway, again, that was the dedicated busway, has produced very large travel time savings for passengers. And um, coming up to two Vic Road projects, which we looked at, um, the first being the Victoria Road Bus Lane project, which had um, recorded journey time savings for bus passengers and the Smith Street tram priority project which um, was an interesting one because it was really just highlighting to passengers that they weren't supposed to be on the tram lane um, so it was making the infrastructure more obvious to general traffic and that had produced both uh, journey time and journey time reliability improvements for um, tram passengers. So interestingly, G Link Stage One in the Gold Coast has produced uh, both a mode shift, whilst generally decreasing traffic on all but one of the intersections that they had monitored. So that's the that's the um, the case studies, and you can see um, later on how some of the the findings of those were brought into um, our recommendations. So. Terms of consideration for Ostrodes guidance, um, there were four areas that we have put forward to Ostrodes and its members for consideration when updating the guide Uh, and they firstly are knowing the problems and causes to determine the right treatment and response and I'll go into that a little bit more now. So we, we recommend structuring guidance based on problem type as there are really only two problems relating to the performance of on-road public transport. They're either uh, reliability problems or vehicle speed problems. Now um, looking at the, the causes of these problems, um, the first potential cause of those either vehicle speed or reliability problem problems are um, traffic congestion and traffic demand, so the the question that we were asking ourselves here was at, at what point does demand for movement increase um, and bus and LRT speed get so low that an intervention is warranted? The second cause of problems being um, either bus or LRT congestion. So the question here was at what point do vehicles get delayed by other bus or LRT vehicles so much that an intervention is warranted? And um, stop frequency, so at what point do bus or LRT vehicles take so long to complete their route that an intervention is warranted? So, identifying problems and causes can refine a practitioner's potential response. So, for example, in this scenario, uh, we see that bus and LR, um, that bus or LRT vehicle speed is likely to be the problem, and its cause is traffic congestion. So, taking it through, we can see that an appropriate response, by way of solution, will likely to be dedicated lanes, signal priority, or a combination of both. So um, the question still remains however, at what point should a practitioner intervene? So we have developed some ready reckoners to determine an appropriate point for intervention. Um, And a, a quick disclosure here, so these ready reckoners are prototypes, they're based on particular scenarios which see three traffic lanes in one direction speed limit of 60 kilometres per hour and a green time ratio of 0.64. So that said, um, these are examples but this type of Ready Reckoner can be developed um, with full functionality in terms of being able to adjust for all those variables um, for practitioners to be able to use a bit more adaptively. So first of all, um, this Ready Reckoner tells us the threshold at which bus or LRT vehicle speeds are so low that an an intervention is required. So for example um, if we see this yellow line in the corridor where there are 60 buses per hour, speeds are going to start rapidly dropping at a point where there are 2,000 cars per hour. So you can see how useful this might be in a context of a corridor which has got increasing traffic volumes year by year and, um, and uh in this ready reckoner, we can look at the threshold at which non-bus or LRT vehicle speeds are so low that an intervention is required. So comparing the solid and the dashed lines, we can also predict the impact of general on general traffic. Of what happens when we go from no priority to a bus lane, for example. And in these cases, we can look at delays in curbside lanes on the left example, and delays in total passengers on on the right hand example under varying scenarios. So. Um, Lastly, we can also measure the impact of stop plate spacing on route speed and how spacing out stops more uh, impacts the overall route speed. So th- this type of thing is particularly relevant, for example, in Sydney, where there is now a policy to space bus stops at 800 metre spacings for uh, those routes that are designated as rapid bus routes and 400 metre spacings for other um, bus routes. And Similarly in Melbourne where tram stops have an average spacing of 260 metres apart, there's been a focus on rationalising multiple stops, particularly in the central city area into mid-block stops and so forth. Uh, Our third area for consideration when updating the guide was for a broad array of treatment types to be included. So treatments which reflect the current emphasis that on-road public transport has amongst uh, the practitioner community in Australia and New Zealand. Um, So guidance on these treatment types and technology Already largely exists, um, as we found in our literature review, and this list comp- comprises of the categories identified in the literature review. And we've also flagged that there's only limited guidance on curbside running for LRT vehicles, uh, and no local guidance on uh, green wave and priority tram lane markings, um, which is the treatment that VicRoads is currently um, under development. Um, for and trialling in Collingwood and Smith Street in Melbourne. Uh, lastly, we uh, put forward for um, that a broad array of impacts should be um, considered for when these types of treatments are implemented. So, in our advice we provided the beginnings of a response to this, so looking at this very broad list of potential impacts on other road users and other externalities such as operations and maintenance and so forth. So, um, just to summarise what I've spoken to you about today, uh, what what we're currently experiencing, I, I've talked about a massive shift towards um, our cities and populations in our cities which is placing a huge pressure on our roads and that the response to this has been and will continue to be uh, more priority for public transport in our roads. The literature revealed um, an extensive array of treatments and technologies which are reflected in guidelines. And The interviews revealed the positive impacts which occur for public transport users when priority is implemented and also that invention, is it always reflected in guidelines? In identifying this, um, this stage also filled out the picture of um, potential treatment types to be included in guidelines. Um, ultimately, we put forward that we consider what we consider to be um, a user-friendly and comprehensive approach to on-road public transport guidelines, which ensures that pre- um, practitioners can quickly identify both the right treatment type and then use ready reckoners to identify the right point of intervention, and have a broad array of treatment types which reflect best practice from overseas and at home, which considers impacts. Thank you.
0: So thanks, Alison, for presenting. It was very informative with lots of examples, which is good to see. Um, so what we'll do is we'll answer some of the questions that will have come through the audience and i also invite Graham to join in here as well. Uh, so the first question we have is... Is also a comment as well, so the comment is, there is a trend for integrating various modes of public transport such as bus and light rail or MRT, interchange centres in Singapore, USA and China, which has proved to be quite effective for improving the efficiency of public transport. Will this also help to solve some of the transport issues in Australia's members?
2: I think I'll... Um, answer that one, Elise. Um, mm-hmm. when we weren't dealing with interchange design itself, um this is only for um, I suppose what you would call the link rather than the place of the the uh, public transport connectivity. So it's more the the between the ma- between the major nodes, not within the major nodes that that um, our research was focused on.
0: Okay, thank you, Graham. Did you want to add anything, Alison? Or uh, no, I think that's probably answered it. Um, so, in regards to slide twenty-one, our uh, question was: Could you add any other comments or thoughts to the congestion charges exceeding the population growth? Uh, the comment was: that It seemed very strange. Um, but did you have any comments on slide twenty-one? Shall I just go back to slide twenty-one? Yeah, okay. I might go back. Uh, so slide twenty-one, which was this particular slide.
2: Yeah, I I, I think this this is a, this is a, a fairly um, standard um, graph of congestion. Uh, once uh, congestion gets out of a a linear range, so delays at intersections which cause queuing back through um, upstream intersections, and so on and so forth. You get to you get to non non-linear um, increases in delay, so it, it starts tending towards exponential delays. And, and traditionally, what people have done is invest in um, additional infrastructure rather than making Better, more appropriate use of um, infrastructure to, to try and ameliorate that that congestion.
0: Okay, thank you, Graham. Uh, another question we've received is how will these public transport priorities change for the coming age of automated and connected vehicles? I thought that was a good <laughs> question to ask. <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah,
1: um, well, I, I could probably start answering um, this that question. Um, just by saying that this project wasn't looking at that particular mode, I think that's a whole other research area: automated and and connected vehicles. But um, Graham, you could probably continue answering yeah, that question. A, as well laid out.
2: Yeah, at at the moment, there's a wide range in opinions and forecasts as to what uh, autonomous uh, connected vehicles um, and mobility as a service will. terms of congestion, Um, uh, for example there's one forecast that says we will only need 10% of the current uh, cars on the road network and another one from the US Department of Energy says that congestion will increase by 70%. Um, So I think what we have to do is, you know, and and as we did through this study is look at the the technology that's, that's here and now and the public transport systems that are here and now um, and you know, uh, I would expect that Austroads, with its through its work on uh, autonomous and connected vehicles, will will keep a, a very firm eye on on that going forward.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's been a very kind of talked about topic, automated connected vehicles. But yeah, thank you for clarifying that one. A question that we've received from Penny is curious whether the guidelines consider the conflicting demands for prioritising public transport on freight-heavy routes. So, who wins?
1: Yeah, I guess that probably comes into you know at one of our final um, considerations that we've put forward to Austroads about what are the impacts on other road users and things like that. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, you would have seen towards the end of the presentation. There's an enormous list of um, potential uh, considerations to take into account when implementing any of those treatment types that we had identified, and um, we we do think that it's probably part of the role of these guidelines to um, both identify and and um, mention appropriate responses to all those those sort of impacts on other road users.
0: Okay, thanks for clarifying, Alison. Okay. Uh, another question we received was: Was there any stakeholder engagement or consultation from agencies in other countries, and what was the kind of process?
1: Yeah. So um, there, we didn't um, specifically. Engage with practitioners in other countries. Although, having said that, um, in the extensive engagement that we undertook across Australia and New Zealand, a lot of the practitioners that are currently practicing um, in, uh, in Australia and New Zealand are from other countries and have first hand experience and, and recent experience of those other countries. So, part of the point of those. Um, interviews was trying to tap um, the very deep um, knowledge out there about what's going on in other countries and so whilst we didn't specifically um, call up Transport for London or people um, in any of the NACTO agencies or anything like that, um, we did get a lot of information through um, through those interviews locally about what was going on there. Okay, thanks for clarifying that one. uh
0: it feels I think that's all the questions that we've received from the audience. I'll go back to our question slide. So I'll just pull up this slide. So if if any of the audience had um, any other kind of further inquiries, feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, the contact details are up on this slide. But um, yeah, thanks, um, Alison Graham, for um, for your time today in presenting and also answering any all the questions that we have. So just before we close up, I'll put up another slide about upcoming off uh webinars that we have lined up. So as you can see on this slide, we'll be running a webinar on road transport management framework and principles, which is on the 26th of October. We also have another session on connected and automated vehicles. We also will be running some webinars on different parts of the Guide to Traffic Management, outlining the changes that have been made to the parts. Some of these events are currently being finalised, but you could go on our website for more information so thanks again Alison and Graham, for your time if you if you had any um, kind of questions uh, or if the audience had any questions again feel free to contact them but yeah thank you as we close this session we hope um, to gain your feedback on how we could improve these webinars and any other topics that you may like us to cover so if you could fill out a survey which will pop up after the session that would be great So thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Alison. No worries.